All right, everybody, welcome to the Backseat Huddle Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Tristan Weber, and today I'm going to be ranking NFC quarterbacks. And the good news about this list is you can either agree with me or you have the great pleasure of being wrong. So I have them ranked from 16th to 1st, and players that are injured, such as Kyler Murray, are going to be left off this list because there's just really no point in putting them on. So here it is. Here's my NFC quarterback rankings. At 16, I have David Blau, Colt McCoy, Jeff, Jeff Driscoll, whoever the guy is for the Cardinals. There's just not a ton to talk about with these guys. Colt McCoy is a cool dude. I liked him at Texas with Jordan Shipley, but like, I'm not going to waste your time or mine talking about the Cardinals quarterback situation. It's just really uninspiring. At 15, I have Desmond Ritter in Atlanta. He threw zero touchdown passes in three of four starts last season. That's really uninspiring. However, he also threw zero interceptions as well. So that's that. there's some good in this. I really want to say to you guys that he has potential. And he really probably does. But this league isn't littered with former third round picks at quarterback who are just lighting the world on fire. He's more of an unknown than anything, but the Falcons new head coach, he elevated former bust quarterback Ryan Tannehill while they were both in Tennessee. So maybe he will have a similar effect on Desmond Ritter and elevate him as well. Only time will tell with that one. At 14, I have Sam Howell with the commanders. So Sam Howell is at 14 because he's an unknown. He's got some weapons to throw to in Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel, but I'm low on him because I don't believe that having a defensive head coach is good for young quarterbacks. Defensive head coach tend to just have no feel for the offensive side of the ball. But this team did go eight and eight with Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke playing most of the season. And he did play in one game last season, Sam Howell did, and he looked good against a Dallas defense that was playing for pride. So, look, there's not a lot to talk about with Sam Howell. I mean, it just it's going to be what it's going to be, and we'll just have to wait and find out. So I'll move on. At 13th, I have Bryce Young. I don't overrate rookie quarterbacks. I put him above Sam Howell and Desmond Ritter solely based on his draft pedigree. We haven't seen a single snap of this guy in the NFL yet. Look, he could be one of the biggest busts in NFL history, or he could be great. We don't know at this point. It's silly to rank a player highly just because he got picked first overall. Being picked for first overall doesn't mean anything except for you're playing for one of the worst teams in the NFL. Given the Panthers did have to trade up to get him, but they were still one of the 10 worst teams in the NFL based on draft order last season. He'll probably end the season higher than this, but I'm not going to be the guy who overrates Bryce Young just because he got picked first. This is right where he should be until he steps on the field. At 12, I have Jordan Love. So Jordan Love is at 12 because he is a question mark. However, I have him above some other guys like Bryce Young who are question marks simply because he's been in the league longer. We think he has decent weapons, but we don't know for sure. We think Christian Watkins is good. He looked good. We think Romeo Dobbs is good, but we don't know for sure yet. 
what Jordan Love does have going for him, besides the fact that he's had a host of years to learn the offense underneath Aaron Rodgers, is he has two stud running backs on this team who will be able to take pressure off of Jordan Love being the focal point of the offense and allow him to hopefully work off of play action frequently, which obviously young quarterbacks love and it benefits them. It wouldn't shock me to see Jordan Love have a good season, but until I see it, I think it's nonsense to rank him above any player that we have actually seen. At 11, I have Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones isn't good. I don't want to hear excuses about it. The guy threw less than one touchdown pass per game and only averaged 200 yards per game through the air. You guys always tell me he has no weapons. Well, guess what? Neither did Justin Fields in Chicago, and Justin Fields still threw one more touchdown pass than Daniel Jones did with arguably a worse offensive line. Daniel Jones doesn't pass the eye test. He doesn't. He doesn't pass the eye test. He had seven rushing touchdowns in the season last year, and that's impressive. But that brings his total touchdowns to 22 on the season. That's your guy? You want me? You want to try to convince me that's the franchise quarterback? Look around the NFL at what is succeeding at the quarterback position, and it does not look like Daniel Jones. He doesn't pass the eye test. Dump offs of Saquon Barkley just don't inspire me. And Darren Waller does not solve all of their issues. Jalen Hyatt does not solve all of their issues. I, I just don't get the hype for Daniel Jones. I don't get it. I just I don't get it. At 10, I have Justin Fields. Justin Fields is at 10 because he's a bit more style than substance right now. He is really impressive in what he's done on the ground. But unfortunately, that did not translate to wins. And you can say that wins aren't a quarterback stat, but there is a reason that good quarterbacks, the best quarterbacks, tend to win a lot more games than the bad ones. And last season, the Bears won the least games in the NFL. The Bears have really gone full speed and really committed to getting Justin Fields the pieces around him, and they've set him up for success this season. And the, the pressure is really on Justin Fields to capitalize on all of that this season. And personally, I'm hoping he takes the next step, and I genuinely think that he will take the next step this season. And by the end of everything, he will rank higher by the end of next season. At nine, I have Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield has a lot going for him this season, which is why I have him ranked at nine. He's got one of the league's best wide receiving core around him with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and a very underrated Russell Gage. The Buccaneers' second-year tight end, Kate Otten, looks like a solid player, and they also have breakout candidate running back at, in Rashad White, who also has excellent receiving skills. So he's got players around him. The Buccaneers also brought in a new offensive coordinator this season, so I imagine they're going to try to build that offense around what Baker does well. Now, I firmly believe that Baker's going to have a 27 touchdowns, 11 interceptions type of season this year, especially considering that the Buccaneers are in one of the easiest divisions in the NFL and have one of the easiest schedules this season. Baker Mayfield is a big-time bounce-back candidate this season for me, but he could also be one of the picks that I'm most wrong about. At eight, I have Sam Darnold. Kyle Shanahan is going to make Sam Darnold work. 
There is a reason that Sam Darnold went number three overall. He's got all the physical traits, and now Sam Darnold is walking into the perfect scenario in San Francisco. San Francisco has the best receiving back in the NFL at Christian McCaffrey, the second best tight end in the NFL in Kittle, and two excellent wide receivers in Debo and Brandon Ayuk. And we all know that Kyle Shanahan is one of the best play callers in all of the NFL. All Sam Darnold has to do this season in order to succeed is get the ball to the intended target. The 49ers are routinely one of the best yards after the catch teams in the NFL. So all he has to do is get the ball to the receiver. What isn't there to like about Sam Darnold in this scenario in San Francisco? At seven, I have Derek Carr. Is Derek Carr the guy who has at times elevated an awful organization? Or is he just a Kirk Cousins type who's been good but not great and his overall reflect overall record is reflective of that? I don't know what to make of Derek Carr. He doesn't win very many games, but he's also been stuck with the Raiders for his entire career. And they're one of the most poorly, poorly run organizations in the entire NFL. I really want to like him, but I just don't know how good he actually is. Personally, I have him here because people who know a lot more than me say he's good, so I'm just forced to believe him. At six, I have Geno Smith. Geno Smith is overrated right now. He is a great story, but is he a great quarterback? Against teams that finish with a defense in the top 11 overall, Geno Smith averaged 217 yards, just over one touchdown per game, and the Seahawks averaged 11.5 points per game in those six games. Those numbers are pedestrian at best. The rest of the season, they spent beating up on bad teams and bad defense. The Seattle Seahawks only beat three teams that finished with a winning record last season. I need to see more out of Geno Smith before I start putting him into the, the upper echelon of quarterbacks. Until then, I'm not convinced on this guy. He's clearly better than we thought that he was, but is he as good as everyone now thinks that he is and as good as everyone is rating him? I need to see it one or two more seasons before I actually believe it. At five, I have Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is the sugar cookie of the NFL. He's a solid choice. It's good enough, but it's just not special at all. Kirk Cousins has been rock solid for years. And look, the, the Vikings aren't going to win a Super Bowl with him under center, but there's a bunch of teams in the NFL with quarterbacks way worse than Kirk Cousins. In his lifetime, he's thrown 252 touchdowns against 105 interceptions. Since he's been the starter, he's averaged 4,000 yards per season and 29 touchdown passes. That's basically the season that Jared Goff just had, and everyone is jumping on the Jared Goff bandwagon. Kirk Cousins has also always been available. He's only missed one start since he became the starter in Washington in 2016. The problem with Kirk Cousins is he's Kirk Cousins. He's boring as hell, has absolutely no spectacular qualities, but he is absolutely one of the top five best quarterbacks in the NFC. And yes, I'm a little bit biased. I have a little Sparty right behind me while, as I say this. At four, I have Dak Prescott. The Cowboys are never going to win a Super Bowl with Dak Prescott under center, and the NFL world is finally starting to realize it. The problem with Dak Prescott 
is that it is fair to say that he is an above average to good quarterback. But the bar for what's considered average is moving because more and more good quarterbacks are entering the league, which is making Dak Prescott look worse. For every Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, and Joe Burrow that enter the league, Dak Prescott just keeps getting moved down the overall list. However, none of those guys that we think of as the next generation of great quarterbacks are in the NFC, and this is an NFC list. So as such, I have Dak Prescott at fourth, but as more quarterbacks enter the league, he is going to keep sliding down. At third, I have Jared Goff. Jared Goff right now really has close to the best body of work of any NFC quarterback. Former number one overall pick, has a Super Bowl appearance, two to one interception ratio, and multiple playoff appearances. Jared Goff is a good player with a really good young offensive coordinator, a team that wants him, a head coach that believes in him, and offensive playmakers all around. Sometimes you just need a kingmaker and someone to believe in you. And right now, Jared Goff has that in Detroit. He also has the benefit of playing in one of the weakest divisions in the NFL. There's just no reason that Jared Goff shouldn't continue to build on the momentum he built last season. This feels like it's going to be another 35 touchdown season for Jared Goff. At number two, I have Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford at two is assuming his health is right. Matthew Stafford at this time is the only quarterback in the NFC with a Super Bowl ring, and he deserves credit for that. The season before last, he led the NFL in touchdown passes or was really close to it. We have to give this guy some respect. Sure, he's at the tail end of his career, but this guy has multiple, multiple fastest to whatever records in the NFL, and he is going to get some Hall of Fame votes when he retires. The Rams still have one of the best coaches in the NFL. The offensive line should be healthier this season, and Cooper Cup will also hopefully be healthy this season. Matthew Stafford is due for a bounce-back season, and I have the Rams as a whole as bounce-back candidates. And lastly, at number one, I have Jalen Hurts. I'm nervous to put Jalen Hurts here because he really only does have one good season under his belt. However, he also has a ton going for him. He gets to be at number one because he still has the best offensive line in the NFL. He still has excellent receivers. He still, the Eagles still have the best, one of the best rosters in the NFC, one of the best rosters in the NFL. Look, he just deserves to be here after that performance last season. I have a suspicion that Jalen Hurts may take a small step back in this season because his offensive coordinator left for the head coaching job at Indianapolis. However, it still feels like Jalen Hurts deserves to be in that number one spot. So that's it. That's my list. That's 16 to 1. Hopefully you guys liked it. Feel free to like and subscribe. Take care, everybody.